okay so I've got the thing going the batteries are full and the red light is on and the dials or the thingies are going up and down so let's get going so Scotty have you charged the dynamo and prepared the fax machine and ready the telegraph for our, our 200th episode can you believe it yeah, I've had the hamster running around the wheel all night, ready to uh, make sure everything is charged and ready to go, that this will be the most perfect episode ever. Wait, hold on a second. So you're referring to Sam as a hamster now? <laughs> it's not very nice. I think under, under UK uh, employment legislation, it would be inappropriate for me to answer that question. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, no. You know... Uh, we got a uh, we we had some feedback on the twitters congratulating sam including some somebody uh who calls who has the twitter handle martini cat so i i i don't know i mean um i think that sounds suspiciously like sam i don't know or but there's another person named craig who i think also could be sam so i don't know sam seems to be very busy making you know making a name for himself he does. In fact, we've received more feedbacks. We had email as well. Uh, oh, wow. Congratulating, congratulating Sam uh, again on audio levels. So I think we've had more feedback since introducing uh, Sam to the show than we, we've had in a number of um, uh, weeks of just us. Uh, Do you think so... it's possible that conspiracy theories are being hatched, that Sam is our is our own invention just to be able to have somebody <laughs> to talk about us? Yeah, and that we never even really improved the audio quality. We just suggested that we had. Uh, that's that's right. This is like one of those Paul McKenna things that we've suggested that this sounds great, and everyone has just believed us. No, no, no. It does sound better, Sam. Wink, wink. <laughs> So uh, yeah, this is this is our two hundredth show of iDeveloper show. In fact, the show started. Uh, our first episode went out on the twenty seventh of October two thousand and ten. So wow. it's t- it's taken us over eight years to get two hundred episodes. <laughs> well, that's not as bad as it sounds because I was thinking about it. It's like okay, well, fifty two. You know, you get standard American vacation, so that would be over four years. So instead of doing it every week, we've done it every four weeks, every month. Hey, I assume we've had a couple of times in there where we've taken a year off. <laughs> That's true. Just a proper English vacation. Um, All right. In there. So, yeah, but don't forget, before before we did the... Because we started to die developer live for about 30 or 40 episodes because we were broadcasting live and had a live chat room. And then that caused, I don't know, it, it caused a few problems. So we just went to back to recording um, and editing... But uh, before that, I think we did about 48 episodes of what we were calling at the time the MDN show or the Matt Developer Network show. So we've, we've done closer to 240, 250 episodes, really, of, wow. of stuff together. So, and our first, I think our first podcast together was probably in 2008. Holy moly. Hello, hello. Did I lose you? Scotty, are you there? So, it's going very well for our 200th show so far that the call just dropped there. Um, I'm sure you heard every word of the uh, stunningly uh, interesting information and statistics I gave you on our podcasting episode. No, I did. I just said that we've been boring listeners for over 10 years now, is what you basically were saying. Yeah, I think that's a fair way of putting it. And I think that's probably a 
a reasonable show title. However, I think the uh, the listeners, the plural, the S may may have to be in parentheses because we're not one hundred percent sure how often it's plural. Okay, <laughs> a singularity of our audience. <laughs> Boring someone for over 10 years. <laughs> okay. So, uh, John, just to, just to try and um, recover a little bit, <laughs> you know, give, us, give us something stunning for our 200th episode. Well, Scotty, not to, to keep beating the dead horse, but um, uh, last week I had the chance uh, with my colleagues Ben and Steve to, to talk to uh, a fellow named Matt Kubota and, and his colleagues uh, who work at an interactive uh, development agency in Durham, North Carolina. Even though it's spelled D-U-R-H-A-M, it's only one syllable, Durham. And and apparently has nothing to do, it's not related to the Durham, England. It was just uh, another name of, of, of one of the, the, the people who founded it. But anyway... Um, they, uh, their agency lets them work on side projects that are meaningful to them. And uh, it's kind of like a Google 20% thing, except for I think it's less than 20% of their time. It ends up being an hour or two a week. Uh, and they've been working on an app called iSpeak, which is a, an eye tracking and head tracking software. And, and it, it's so they've, they've been trying for real to do this uh, and getting it used in, in, in a clinical section, uh, in clinical uh, work at Duke University. And uh, it was very interesting because they got in contact with us. They said, hey, you know, loved your demo. It looks really good. And you seem to have solved some accuracy problems. And we would love to be able to chat with you. And, and, and so I wrote back and said, yeah, you know, happy to, to, to help share what we've learned. And, you know, I was looking at their software videos and, and I thought that theirs looked really good. So it was an interesting discussion because it reminded me a little bit of uh, delicious library in that one of the th- and and I guess for our listeners our listener who who does remember that app that it was an amazing thing that it was able to do barcode scanning just using the the uh, camera the front facing camera on on that was built into uh, well, I can't even remember what it was called but it was a it was one that that could actually do autofocus um, when it was an external one it was called the eyesight I think right and. Uh, and I remember reading an article where Will Shipley, you know, was saying, you know, people think this is an amazing thing. Yeah, and it was a lot of work, but in fact, what was what was what was the smart trick I, I used was I realized that I have a fast computer, and so I could keep trying. So if I didn't get an immediate reaction, uh, an immediate accurate reading of the barcodes, I could just keep trying, keep trying, and then within you know two three tries, which happened in a matter of milliseconds, I could get it, um, and that was the 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 trick. And it, I was thinking about that while I was talking to. Uh, you know, Matt, uh, about about kind of the approach we took because the reality is, is that eye tracking is 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 very very sensitive or any type of motion tracking, you know, of of facial gestures or movement because in fact we are constantly in 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 great motion. And the the trick that made ours work a little bit better is that we realized two things. One is that um, you know that you talk about how the software will train itself. It will, will kind of get better at, at accurately determining where, where your eyes are or what's going on. But the reality is, is actually the humans become trained, you know, is that you, so, you know, any type of video game that you give somebody, you can give them to it. They can play around the controls and, and it doesn't matter what type of, of controlling surface you're using, whether you're using a joystick or, you know, moving a, a phone, eventually your brain kind of figures out what motions are needed to be able to move 
whatever it is you're trying to move across the screen. So instead of us trying to worry about how to accurately know where the eyes are, and uh, that is actually the wrong approach, that it made a lot more sense to be able to, to make a cursor, a ball, that you would just move around the screen. And so that instead of trying to, to slavishly determine the exact position 60 frames a second, just kind of get an idea where the, where the puck is moving. And that ended up working a lot better. So it was really not a a software engineering problem, but just a problem, you know, whatever, a problem shaping issue, trying to figure out, you know, what what exact thing you're trying to do. And also just trying to be lazy instead of, of checking the position every single, you know, click. Uh, you could just basically do it. Uh, you could quantize it and, and look for average uh, motion over time. Um, so it was kind of nice to be able to, to to share what we learned and share what they learned, and it's nice to kind of move things along. So that made me happy. Yeah, it's really. Um, I think it's great that you're just getting time to explore this stuff as well, because it's it's through this, you know, what many people would consider playtime. It's not playtime because it's serious research, but it can, you know, it, it, you know it's you know, whether it's twenty percent time or side project time or, or hack day time. You know, it's often. You know, this stuff sort of begins and then if it's not followed up. So I think it's quite exciting. You're, you're sort of following us up and interested to see where it goes. Yeah. So I will, I will keep our listener abreast as we make progress on it, but who knows? We could be the podcast that, that, that tracked the revolution of the, of, of the eye movement. Mm. Well, the, the the other thing that was interesting is that you know there there are different clinical uses for it. There are some people who who have, have uh, kind of either their 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 head moves very kind of rapidly and and it's hard to to get a steady thing and and or other people who kind of for whom moving their eyes becomes difficult. So it was a combination of of head tracking and eye tracking, which are are, are similar but different. So I find this um, frustrating. Uh, that we are having a discussion about um, some technology, which I'm sure at some point will, you know, have more use than just accessibility, but actually at this time is a great accessibility uh, feature um, for a certain sort of segment of of app users. Um, Well, Unfortunately, still many of us are involved in projects where we're having to try and convince the um, project owners, I'm trying to pick my words carefully here, uh, that accessibility is even something we should be focusing on. Um, you know, just this week talking to uh, someone who is running a project, you know, the statement, well, I don't think we can focus on accessibility in any way for version one. Um, and I get where it comes from sometimes because people just need to ship for financial reasons. But, you know, as we all know, as developers, retrofitting anything to an application is harder than designing it in, in the first place. So even if, you know, we can for some times now and again may, maybe justify not implementing things in a fully accessible way in version one and we've all been guilty of that so you know there's i think it's sad we're still guilty of that but you know i think probably anyone who's been around for more than a few years is guilty of that um you know we should at least be designing it in it 
it at um, version one so that you know it's not a th- something that we're trying to bolt on afterwards or do it especially now that you know, the accessibility features are so often part of the frameworks we're using anyway so you know i, I think this is uh, still one of those areas where there is a very wide spectrum and range of of people's attitudes towards it so um yeah i'm, I'm pleased that we are talking about uh, someone who is uh, pioneering this sort of stuff and, and seeing where it's going. Yeah. Well, I think the last thing to, to think about is, is you know, you, could, you don't even have to talk about it in terms of accessibility. If you think that that's not going to pass muster with management, you can just talk about it uh, in terms of automation testing. So. Yeah, that then means you've got to convince them that testing is a good idea. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah, there, there, are, there are some yeah. projects, John, where, um, yeah, yeah, I forget your your you've been uh you've been out of the um the heartless and cutthroat world of consulting and contracting for a while, haven't you? Ah, uh, right. Yeah, I guess so. Yep. Wow. Well, how goes your projects these days? Um. Yeah. Well, I've actually been on vacation a little bit this week. Ah. I had a uh, a few days off, so um, uh, I believe the project is going okay, but I don't know because I wasn't working on it. Is it, is it possible the, that your absence has eliminated you know thirty percent of the the overhead and bugs of the project? Yeah, I um, yeah, it probably has. I mean, I I was going back through. Oh, this is going to sound really uh, maybe a little weird, but um, this week I've been going back through some videos of conference talks I've been giving, um, just really trying to decide which talks I want to you know maybe keep alive for next year refresh or maybe a slightly older talk i want to bring back and which ones it's time to um retire and i chose to do that by just uh any that have been videoed at conferences i just watched them and just sort of made notes and uh, that way as opposed to i felt that was a better way of doing it than just looking at my slide deck and whatever else because it, it, it give a better feel for the whole thing and how it felt um and uh yeah i think in in one one of the talks I was talking about how little things change, um, and I think I made the statement. Yeah, uh, yeah. I've been doing this job for over uh, professionally for over twenty eight years, and my job hasn't changed. I spend my entire day producing bugs, <laughs> being a professional <laughs> typist. So I would I would suspect that my my absence has probably improved the quality of the project and maybe even the output of the project by a considerable amount. Um, although, yeah, it's, uh, I can't, it's, um, we have been considering other opportunities this week as well. So, um, you know, our, our progress has been, has been limited as we've been having to, to weigh up some choices we're needing to make. And I can't really say, uh, any more than that right now. Uh, I think the, the odds are that, um, nothing will change and we'll be back to it in the, uh, in the next few weeks, but there there may be some changes. So um, yeah, I can only really say watch this space. But I, I will have an announcement for you before episode four hundred. Well, that uh, with no, no, the I'll time... tell you what, let, I, I'm going to go for it before episode three hundred. Wow, you are really being bold there, Scotty. Now is that two hundred of iDeveloper or two hundred of our our joint podcast career? Oh, I'm way over that because I think yeah, because we've what well, we've wear because we've done. Yeah, with two hundred of this, forty-eight of the other. I think before that, I'd done fifty something of late night cocoa and thirty something of the 
Mac Developer Roundtable, which is where we first met. And probably 20-odd episodes of, I think, one we called Mac Software Business. So I'm, I'm well in the three to 400 episode mark. Which really you should be referring to as your podcasting career dotage. I should be on my podcasting career dodo. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. I'm the trouble is, when we record in the early mornings for me, it's just like I'm, I'm sat here staring out my lounge window. It's not light yet. There's a big tree outside. And it's like I'm, you know, all that's going through my head is in the minute it'll be my turn to say something interesting. And I think I'm going to fail again. <laughs> Well, you should probably provide uh, a kind of you know nature show like commentary on the comings and goings of of Tetbury flora and fauna. Uh, yeah, there's nothing at the moment. Uh, so there we are. Yeah, so uh, back to where we were on the project. Yeah, so this is still. I think I was talking about this last week, but it's back to this thing again that um, you know, I was we're working on a, a web based product at the moment and um. You know, the, the deployment aspect of how we're going to deploy this thing has fallen into my hands as part of the project. And I've been talking about Docker and Kubernetes a little bit for... Um, uh, uh, in fact, we had uh, one of our email um, feedback correspondents, Joe Heck, um, whose people in our community may know. He's been around a long time. Um he he was congratulating Sam on the audio quality, but he has also written a book on Kubernetes, um, which I haven't had a chance to to read yet, but I will be getting and um, going to. Uh, I'll put a link in the show notes. Uh, it's called Kubernetes for Developers. So if, uh, I think that's what it's called. If I've just got it wrong, and sorry for the really crap promotion, Joe. Um, and um, yeah, so go back through. But the trouble is, as I was saying last week, is with vacation and only sort of doing about 50% time on the project and 50% on consulting, roughly that sort of balance. It, the trouble is it's not, you know, you can't, it's it's quite hard to have a consulting gig that is literally 50% of your time, you know, and it's fixed that you do Monday, Wednesdays and half a Friday or something. It tends to a little bit more. You have to work around when you have a heavier load of tickets and what certain things are needed in a sprint. And so you might end up working for two or three days solid and, then what it just it just it varies but um i'm not saying that there are some people who do get fixed time the particular projects i'm working on moment don't know that so this whole constantly having to refresh and relearn um so i would say right now after spending probably close to a week on focusing on kubernetes and trying to get my head around it i would say that because of vacation and some various things I got bogged down in in the consulting projects I'm doing um, and some other stuff that come up, that is probably now a wasted week and I'm going to have to virtually go back and start again. It won't quite be true because things will come back and I'm sure I'll get through the learning material a lot faster second time. But that is that is part of the, the frustration of doing things this way is... is if it's new, I mean, if it's coding and it's whatever else, and then that's fine. But if it's new, then it's awfully hard to to get things, you know, um, flowing enough that they become part of the natural thing. And so picking up new stuff or becoming good enough in something that you're not currently good enough in is pretty hard when you can't focus continually. But I think I said that last week. So now, now we really are boring listeners for over 10 years by just repeating the previous show each week. Well, okay, so uh, here's a, a slick segue to a question I have, which is, 
upgrading to the current version of Mac OS when you are afraid that you will not be able to run prior versions, like old versions of Xcode. Like, you know, I have some projects uh, that that will not run on current versions of, of Mac OS. And then I was reading a discussion of it saying, well, you know, it, that's not an uncommon problem. Just run a virtual machine. Now, you have some experience because I remember you telling me that for your, a lot of your consulting work that you will just spin up a, a clean version of, of Mac OS with a development environment, all the, the, the kind of ancillary things that you need for whatever you were doing at the time, whether it was, you know, Rails or, or, or uh, you know, Node Corker or something like that. So you have experience with that. I mean, is it realistic and possible just to have a, you know, click here, double click here and launch a complete old version of, of macOS running virtually with everything you have set up for it and, and a shared file system, which would help you migrate an old project to the modern world? Yeah, if you... Um, the issue for me with that is the answer is yes. Um, I do... I'm not doing it at the moment. Um, and the main reason I'm not doing it at the moment is running a virtual machine on a MacBook Pro until recently has been not optimum. To work on it all day was um, uh, difficult. And that was partly why I would be constantly complaining about the previous 16 gig memory limit on a MacBook Pro uh, because uh, you really want to be allocating a virtual machine enough memory to be working well. Uh, now, of course, that the latest MacBook Pros can come with 32 gig of memory, um, that is less of an issue. Um, also, often you tend to find that virtual machines can have uh, video glitches on the latest OSs. So if you really are trying to fire it up for um, you know, each client, and the, this client, the current client might be on the, the latest OS, then, then sometimes uh, you get glitches that are just a, a little bit too annoying to live with on a daily basis. I mean, I wouldn't say they're really you know, um, you know, massively serious, but just a bit too annoying. However, for older stuff... Um, yeah, uh, completely. Um, so, you know, for example, keeping a copy of, uh, you know, Mac OS Mavericks around with Xcode, you know, um, five, whatever it might have been. I don't know. I can't remember the different versions, uh, is, um, you know, a perfectly good way of doing that. Uh, because I think that is really, really one of my biggest, I understand why it's done, but, you know, Xcode or SDKs not being supported going backwards is is a problem with Xcode. Um, yeah, so I tend to keep copies of just basically blank OSs with the developer tools for that OS installed on them as a uh, as a virtual machine. And then if I have a project that needs to run something that needs those tools, I'll take a copy of that virtual machine and then. Uh, tweak it to whatever I need for that personal project. I might sometimes even include the files on that file system, but equally you can use shared file systems. Um, I currently use Parallels. Um, the other big one is VMware. Uh, I've flipped between the two over the years. 
Um, I think, you know, they leapfrog each other in their abilities. I think they're both now um, at the point where it's pretty much of a muchness. Although I have to say, I haven't tried VMware for the last two or three versions because you know, everything's on a subscription now, so I just pay the parallel subscription. Um, but yeah, that can work. Um, uh, and especially now the MacBook Pros can do uh, 32 gig of memory. But it does have some little annoyances, uh, but it does, you know, especially if you want to re- you know, do some really old stuff. Um, I'm mixing it. There are ways to actually get old SDKs into the current Xcode, but they can sometimes be a bit flaky as well. So it, I guess it depends why you're looking at the old tools, really. Mm. Well, that's good to know. I'll have to try it. Yes, definitely. I mean, you've got one of the new new MacBook Pros now. Did you go for the 32 gig of memory? I did indeed, and it's a good thing I did now that it, now that I understand this uh, requirement. To... I have to say, I mean, I'm I'm reasonably happy with my my 2018 MacBook Pro. Um, I would say I'm pretty disappointed with battery life, um, but you know, I said I'm. It, it seems to be very poor when I'm running, you know, the simulator with React Native in it. But that could be just down to that's the nature of what I'm doing. And yeah, you know, but I'm getting like two and a half hours sometimes when it's like that. Um, this is, I work a lot from my sofa in my office, and I don't have the laptop plugged in then. Um, and it drains down, but I think it's uh, if I'm doing other stuff, it's longer. But yeah, when I'm Xcode and React Native, yeah, about two and a half hours. Which yeah, of course, yeah, that's fine. Because I'm always sat near a charger. I'm only not charging it because I'm being lazy. But if I was on an aeroplane or something, that would be a little, a little annoying. But on the whole, the machine is pretty good. No problems with the keyboard yet. Touch touch wood, um, and things seem to work well. So it's uh, and as you, I think you pointed out last week, the to go back to a machine now without the um, Touch ID recognition for logging on and one password and the rest of it does feel like going back to the dark ages. So you're a, a couple of weeks into your machine now. What's what's your view of it? It's exactly that. But then still, I will regularly get beach ball of of hell on Xcode, and I wonder have I have I advanced anything? Yeah, yeah, that that might be. So you're, I'm assuming you're running Mojave. Yeah. Yeah, well, because it would, it would, it would have come with that. Yeah, so, yeah, it's uh, and I have to say, even though, yep, this is a brand new machine. I maxed out the processor on this machine. I think it's the i nine six core. Uh, yeah, my four year old uh, iMac um, Retina five K iMac uh, was a faster machine. Um, to, to work on as a development machine was a better machine to work on as a developer machine, which, you know, is with four years of supposed progress is a little disappointing, but there you are. I guess it's the, the price we pay for laptops. And I guess if like the majority of people these days, you've only ever worked from a laptop, you don't necessarily know what you're missing. True enough. Well, Scotty, now it sounds, uh, if we want to, to bring this 200 episode into doc, uh, we can conclude that nothing has changed in the state of the art of software development or podcasting or what we have to talk about. Is that a fair assessment? I think that probably is. Do you know what? I can't remember what we spoke about on, on the first uh, iDeveloper show. What did it say? We had, oh, look at this. It's our first live show on 27th of October 2010. Uh 
and it says this episode's guest is Kevin Hockter from No Thirst Software. Oh wow. We we discuss OS ten Lion, the new Mac App Store, the new Mac App Store, and Kevin's journey of bringing money well to the iPhone. Wow, that's that's a long time ago. Mr. Hockter, you were episode one. I've forgotten that. Well done, sir. And Hockter is just like, you know, playing guitar, drinking whiskey, and hanging out in Pacific Heights. I think he does some work now and again. <laughs> but that's true. But I think I think he should be able to we should be able to, you know, credit ourselves for his success, don't you think? <laughs> so he is he has gone from a, a hard working Mac indie software developer to a guitar playing drinker all because of us. Exactly. <laughs> There's so much potential in this show. <laughs> so, John, if, if if people would like their careers ruined and their futures doomed, and they want they want to get hold of us to um to be on this, where 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 should they get hold of you to to begin this this journey of destruction? Step zero in ruining your life is to find me on Twitter as Jembe. That's D J E M B E, like the West African drum. And Scotty, if 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 they want to abandon all hope for for any happiness in the in the universe, where should they look? Then they should uh, get me on Twitter, where there is no hope, uh, as MacDevNet on uh, Micro.blog as Scotty, or of course that good old fashioned version called you think version. Oh, see, look at that. I'm still staring out the window at the garden. That good old-fashioned thing called email, where they can get us on feedback at iDeveloper.co. Well, John, it's been an absolute pleasure to have done 200 episodes of this show with you. I would do another 200 if I thought I could live that long, so let's just keep going. Yeah, I've got to say, at our age, another 200 could be... <laughs> we'll all be stroked out. <laughs> yes, sir. So there we are. So let's, the, make, let's the, make. The problem is, is nobody be able to tell that anything's going on. Yeah. It's like yeah, it doesn't sound any worse than it ever has. <laughs> so, yeah, John sounds a bit funny this week. What's wrong with him? Oh, he's dead. <laughs> yeah, but finally, as, Sam will say, "Ah, finally, a good signal much, to yeah, noise ratio." So I tell you what, I, I think I think we should be. Um, yeah, there's something they say about you know set goals you can achieve. So let's make a commitment that we will deliver episode two hundred one. All right, deal. And we'll take it. We'll take it from there. Okay. Once... So if if you know this is like you, know, uh, we're not going to commit to a season until we know. We know. Uh, of course, if we said we're going to do a new season, that means a different thing because seasons here of things in the, in the UK are really short. I mean, we do seasons of three episodes, whereas you know in the US, I mean, isn't the average season something like four hundred ninety-seven thousand episodes of something that goes on forever? Well, it until is. You're so bored, no one cares anymore. No, no. It, the seasons last until the principal actor, you know, does something stupid and and ruins his career, and then you have to do a rewrite. There we are. Well, <laughs> If, the, if we had cancelled when the principal actors in this show did something stupid, we would never have made it past episode once. <laughs> oh, that's right. I forgot. <laughs> okay. But there we are. John, take care. Thank you very much everyone for listening. And until next time, you take care.
Thank you.